Welcome to this very special edition of the Jerry Jones Direct Radio Show. What you're about to hear is an exclusive excerpt of a one-on-one conversation between the man behind Jerry Jones Direct, Jerry Jones, and one of the nine different dental experts, practicing dentists, or fellow thought leaders who contributed in some way to the latest edition of Jerry's groundbreaking report on the State of Dentistry 2019. If you don't have your free copy of the State of Dentistry 2019, I urge you to go to thestateofdentistry.com to download it now. There's no charge and no obligation. Let's listen in as Jerry and one of his hand-picked experts discuss the state of dentistry 2019. All right, so I'm here with Chris Griffin, uh, dentist in Ripley, Mississippi. Um, Chris, by the way, did you guys get beat up uh, by any of these tornadoes or typhoons or hurricanes or whatever the hell is hitting the coast down there? Or did you guys come out of it okay? Oh, yeah. uh, Mississippi missed it. This, this idea of a disaster striking in a practice and, and, the, and the crap to deal with, you know it firsthand for sure. Yes, now that is uh, that's something you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy is having to go through that. And Jerry, I'll tell you, uh, it kind of bleeds into what we're going to talk about today. So like before, the, like in my life, you can look at the fire that burned my building down in 2013 as a demarcating event, right? Before yep. 2013, I mean, I almost felt like you know, hey, you know, there's nothing I can't do. I'm Superman. I can, I can push any agenda through our practice. Just the driving force of me in my practice can pull everybody else across the finish line. And I truly believe that, you know, that's how you approach your profession. So the disaster strikes, the fire in my case, for 16 months, we're rebuilding. We're trying to recover data. We're losing patients. We're bleeding patients, just moving seven miles out of town. And my practice went from 7,500 square feet to 1,250 square feet, you know, uh, wow. went, from, uh, went from 11, and I, I had, I guess, 14 staff down to five because everybody left. That did something to me mentally. It, it sort of, it put me into a funk. Like, instead of just being out front and just wanting to just go, 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 and it was tough. I was distracted. And when you are distracted and you are not focused, it is really, really hard to run a super high-level dental practice. Boy, that's so true. You know, and, and there's different events that affect different people differently. I mean, that what a, what a sentence. But, I mean, so you would think a fire wouldn't necessarily have that effect, but it's not the fire itself. It's the ensuing crap that, you, that gets piled on you and the mental garbage that starts to build up. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've had a, a similar, um, but uh, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Well, let's get into this. I mean, you, so you've maybe identified a, a, a real danger um, to independent dentists. Um, and, and that's kind of where I want to go is I want to talk a little bit about um, challenges, um, maybe new business models that, that may be on the horizon for independent practices, um, developments within business, clinical developments that you see, opportunities you see. If you had to identify one big thing, Chris, today, what do you see the biggest threat or danger to the independent dentist today? Well, uh, I think it is probably all the dentists that are graduating with a, with a pretty high level of skill, honestly, I think compared to what we graduated with, with a lot of debt and nowhere to go and a bunch of uh, whether it's uh, DSOs or whatever, 
that are out there with uh, corporate dentistry with outstretched arms that will take them. We don't necessarily have the skill set to run a big practice, but if we don't try to figure out a way to give some of these graduating dentists a home, they're going to go make the corporations and the DSOs and all that stuff even more powerful. And uh, we're going to be, I mean, we're going to be running the risk of being out there with the dodo bird. And uh, I don't think that anybody's going to come along and try to, you know, bring us back like they are with the, with the mammoth DNA. I mean, I think it's a tough time. And, and so that's why I think that's why I was talking about the distraction. This is like the, the, the time in the world you cannot afford to be distracted right now. So you see, um, you see, uh, so this threat now of middle, mid-career doctors, middle market, mid, mid-career docs, independent practices, they're, you know, they're running a solo practice now um, and look for opportunities to grow their practice. You think that's, you know, that's, that could be, well, a, a nail in their coffin. Yeah, I mean, you also, you, would, you could also, uh, you could also survive if you can add procedures. The days... You know, when I was coming out, you know, you could make a grand living uh, just doing fillings and crowns and dentures and whatever. And so the days that that's been commoditized so much, the days of having a grand living, just having a regular independent solo type practice, which is what I love, by the way. I love it. I mean, that's I love every bit of it. But the days of that giving you a great lifestyle are coming to a slow halt. Uh, unless you can figure out how to get into one of these other business models. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, you bring up a really important component, um, both from the business side, but also from the clinical, from the delivery of excellent dentistry side, which I, I don't get into a lot of, I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm not a dentist, and so I don't get into a lot of the clinical aspect. But what I do understand is that, you know, in order to have a successful practice, the clinical care has to be excellent. Employees can make or break your business, literally. If you are advising one of your clients, how should they find, attract, and keep the best employees? Because, and that's a three-pronged question, but I mean, you are in Ripley, Mississippi. You are not in Memphis. So your pool of talent is shallow compared to almost any other dentist in America, almost. I mean, there's guys that are in smaller communities than you are, but I mean, you, it sounds like you've, you've got these people from your area. What, what's the secret? <clears throat> uh, so... You're right. It is. So after the fire, we did, I decided, okay, Chris, you, you just, you, I had to be honest with myself. So if I can't drive the practice, somebody else is going to have to at least drive part of it and help you out. So at that point I, I chose one person, the one that stayed with me through thick and thin. Right. So <clears throat> what would you tell a doctor today? What would your advice be? What I would say is really take your time to find this one person what's happening in your mind with the dental consumer well the dental consumer over the last uh well let's just before fire and after fire for me before the fire it was you know everybody has complaints after the fire once we got back to i just thought for a year or two we were just gosh it's just people don't want to know we're here but uh the consumers have over the past five years or so have kind of decided that dentistry is a right almost like a health insurance right almost and uh if you are, if you're not on their insurance plan, their brain immediately says, Oh, I got to find another dentist. Uh, I've had so many people tell me that, right. Uh, it's just crazy. So, so what I've learned, uh, we have to do a lot of pre-framing. So way more than I used to. 
So if I'm going to do an implant, if I know somebody's going to be a good implant prospect, I have to start a lot of pre-framing work before I ever actually present them with a price. And that's stuff that I just would have never had to do before. And I question how many dentists out there are good enough, have a good enough personality and are good enough at stuff like that to convince people to do expensive dentistry. Uh, I, I don't know that the dentists out there, I'm, I would be, I'd be surprised if there are a lot of dentists out there that are great at that. Yeah. So, so that's just another thing. It's just tough, you know, especially as young dentists getting out of school, they have all the skills, but maybe they haven't learned that yet. It's just going to be challenging for them. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, um, if you have great clinical skills and you're a great communicator, effective communicator, which means you can sell, right? You can show people the opportunity and, and you can show them a way to, to make it easy. Um, you're going to be successful. It doesn't matter. It, it almost doesn't matter what else is happening around you, right? If you, if you have those skills, but if you don't, I mean, you're really going to struggle. Last question. What would you change about dentistry? I hope you enjoyed this excerpt of the interviews Mr. Jones conducted, which contributed to his latest publication, Every Dentist in America Must Read, The State of Dentistry 2019. If you don't yet have your copy, go to thestateofdentistry.com and download yours today. There's no charge and no obligation. And be sure to tell your friends and colleagues to grab their own copy too. One last thing. Jerry is giving away a practice growth program at his website right now. JerryJonesDirect.com. Valued at $293. Grab your free copy today. Just go to JerryJonesDirect.com to learn more. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes or your favorite streaming service so you never miss an episode.